Before we go on with this lesson, we'll just go over briefly that which was discussed in the previous lesson. And that is, we discussed what in essence is chassidus. And we explained that chassidus is the part of Torah that gives us an insight and understanding into the internal dimension of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism. And this is based on the words of the Zohar. The Zohar says there are three things that they constitute Yiddishkeit. And everything within Yiddishkeit, all the details revolve around these three things. Plas, Kshoren, Miskashen, Dabedah, Yisroel, Eraisa, Vekotshebrechu. The Zohar refers to them as three links. put together a chain one link is Hashem another link is the Jewish people and the third link is the Torah and the Mitzvah and the Zohar continues to say in every one of these three links there are two dimensions there's an internal and concealed dimension there's an external and revealed dimension and this is the basic difference between Nigla, the revealed part of the Torah, and Chassidus, which is associated with the esoteric part of the Torah, that the revealed part of the Torah gives us insight into the external and revealed dimension of these three things. The esoteric part of Torah gives us insight and understanding into the external, internal, and conceal dimension of these three things. However, what exactly is the definition of the internal dimension and the external dimension? In order to understand this, we'll choose one of the three links, namely mitzvahs, and explain what would be the internal dimension of mitzvahs and the external dimension of mitzvahs, I am understanding how this applies to the link of mitzvahs. It will be understood how this will also apply to the other two links. What is the external dimension of mitzvahs? The external dimension of mitzvahs is that it is a code which its purpose is to enhance our lives. And by following the mitzvahs, one will live a life which will be productive, a life which is meaningful and fulfilling. Sometimes people who refuse to observe the mitzvahs say they refuse to do so on the ground that I don't want anyone else to tell me how to live. I don't want the Torah, I don't want the rabbis to tell me how to lead my life. I don't even want God to tell me how to live. I'm an independent human being. And I like to live the way I feel is best for me. What is the answer to such an attitude? This can be explained by a very simple analogy. A person walking into a store and buying a computer comes home opens the box, finds a manual in the box. 
with a lot of instruction. And then in big, black, bold letters, it says, Caution. Do not immerse in water. Do not remove the lid. Do not press the red button and the green button at the same time. Would it ever dawn upon a person to say, This is a chutzpah of the manufacturer. I bought this. I paid $4,000 for it. And now he's telling me what I could do and what I can do. Of course this would be ridiculous. Because the purpose of these messages are for my benefit. Actually, I bought the computer for a specific purpose. The computer was designed to serve that purpose. And if I operate this computer properly, I'll be able to achieve my goal. But if I don't know how to operate it, there's no way that I'll be able to achieve my goal with this machine that I bought. In fact, not only that I won't be able to achieve my goal, but I'll probably do irreparable damage to the entire machine. So if anything, it would be a chutzpah if the manufacturer wouldn't notify me, wouldn't give me the information and tell me what to do and what not to do. And the same applies to mitzvahs. God manufactured us and manufactured the world around us. We possess a body with various organs, we have various talents and abilities. Everything that we possess are tools through which we can accomplish tremendous things. However, if I'm not told by the manufacturer, namely God, how to conduct myself, then everything that I possess will not be able to function properly. They will not be able to serve the purpose which they were designed. In fact, one will most likely succeed in doing physical and spiritual damage to himself, which is beyond repair. So, God gave us mitzvahs, which by following it, I protect myself and prevent myself from getting hurt, and I will successfully achieve my goal. This would then be a life that gives me happiness and a true sense of satisfaction and accomplishment. This entire philosophy has infinite depth and wisdom in terms of understanding the mechanics of marriage and how the mitzvahs that pertain to marriage are the formula for a successful marriage, the mechanics of other areas in life and how the mitzvahs that pertain to those areas are the formula that those areas in life should be successful. This all is considered the external aspect of mitzvahs. Because this is how mitzvahs relate to and enhance our physical life. However, there's another dimension to mitzvahs, and that is the internal dimension. Which is that in addition to everything that was mentioned before, that mitzvahs accomplish in terms of enhancing our life, in addition to all that, there's something which is much greater than that, which is what mitzvahs accomplish on the spiritual realm. And that is that every time a mitzvah is performed, it creates a certain spiritual light 
and spiritual energy on the spiritual realm. And that godly light in turn has an effect on the person that performs the mitzvah and on the world around him. This is the internal dimension of mitzvah. Understanding how the mitzvah affects the spiritual realm. This is the nisham of the mitzvah. The soul of the mitzvah. What is the advantage of this knowledge? The advantage is twofold. Number one, on intellectual level, it gives us a much deeper understanding of the truer dimension and purpose of the mitzvah. In fact, we find a remarkable thing that the commentaries on the Chumash, when they refer to the esoteric part of Torah, they refer to it as Chochmas HaEmes, the wisdom of truth. Which is very strange because the entire Torah is the wisdom of truth. Why specifically the esoteric part of Torah would be considered Chochmas HaEmes, the wisdom of truth? But the answer is because this gives us an insight into the deeper, which is the truer dimension of what mitzvahs are all about. Because not only is this another thing that mitzvahs accomplish, but this is the real depth of the mitzvahs. In fact, everything that happens to the person on a physical realm as a result of the observance of mitzvahs is actually only a manifestation and a result of what was accomplished on the spiritual realm through the observance of mitzvahs. The second thing is, the advantage is on an emotional level. That by having this knowledge, this gives us a deeper sense of connection and appreciation for the mitzvah. This can be expressed in many different ways and from many different angles. But one of the things are, specifically, it gives us an appreciation of the technical details of mitzvah. Many times we find an individual who is committed to the observance of mitzvahs, understands how important they are, but has a kind of a light attitude towards the technicalities involved with the mitzvahs. For example, take the mitzvah of mezuzah. The person says, I understand the importance of mezuzah. This mitzvah, by putting a mezuzah on my doorpost, this symbolizes the fact that everything in this house coincides with that which is written in the mezuzah. In other words, I put the mezuzah on the door to remind me, to make me aware that everything that's contained in this house, everything that goes out of the house and passes by this doorpost, everything that goes into the house and passes by this doorpost should be in accordance with that which is written in the mezuzah. And if I'm constantly aware of this, naturally all the activities going on will be positive ones. However, the details of the mitzvah mezuzah, this is not understood. Why is it so important that it has to be written by a scribe? It has to be a piece of parchment. Why can't it be written on a piece of paper, the portion of the Torah that's in the mezuzah? Why does it have to be this portion of Torah? Why can't it be a different portion? Wouldn't the Ten Commandments be better than the portion of the Shema? And it has to be specifically affixed to the doorpost, no other part. And specifically on the right side of the doorpost, not on the left. It has to be at a specific height of the doorpost. And all these technical details seem to be trivial. So there's a possibility that a person can have a 
sensitive appreciation of the general purpose of the mitzvah, but the technicalities somehow seem to be unimportant. And then one develops kind of a light attitude towards these details. Sometimes the halacha requires a specific order that you have to do a few things, but it must be done in this specific order, which is not understood. As long as I do all the things that are necessary, why must it be specifically in this order? But many things, if it's not done in the right order, it's not even valid. So as long as a person has an understanding of the external dimension of mitzvahs, this might be a question. Because on the external dimension, the mitzvah is something which is symbolic. It symbolizes a certain idea. It represents something. And then we can understand how the mitzvah represents an idea, and the details don't seem to be that necessary. However, if we realize the mitzvahs are not just symbolic, but they're actual instruments that actually activate certain spiritual energy, spiritual light, then you can't ask a question why these details are necessary. Because once you understand the mechanism, once you understand the mechanism of the spiritual network, then you realize that the mitzvah has to be done in this specific way, in this specific order, and only then will it accomplish spiritually what it has to. And it's like a person would be using a machine, using modern technology as an analogy again, and somebody would say that you have to turn this knob. Would a person ask, I don't understand. A piece of plastic, if it's turned a little bit more to the right, just a fraction of an inch to the right, that'll make the whole difference. And the answer is, of course. Because it's not the piece of plastic that makes the difference. This piece of plastic is connected to a mechanical system. And the mechanical system is hook up, hooked up to power. And if you turn this piece of plastic a fraction of an inch to the right, this knob will be turned one fraction of an inch. That'll make the difference whether it'll set everything into motion or not. And the same thing spiritually. The mezuzah must be at this specific part of the doorpost. Being that the mezuzah is activating certain spiritual energy only if it's written by a scribe and has this specific form and this specific shape and these specific conditions will it be able to be accomplished, be able to accomplish what it has to in the spiritual realm. And the same thing with the order of things. Even though I'm doing everything but it must be done in a specific order. As we see it is with the telephone. Somebody would say these are the seven numbers that you have to dial to reach the person you're trying to reach. Well, of course, nobody would think, well, as long as I have these seven numbers, it makes no difference in what specific order, as long as I'm pressing these seven buttons. Of course, all you have to do is change the order between two numbers, and you'll never make the connection you want to. Now, why should there be such a big difference whether I press this piece of plastic or the other piece of plastic? Once again, it's not the plastic. This piece of plastic is connected to a mechanical system which is hooked up to the uh, telephone wires and if I press the right buttons, I set the right things into motion. And the same thing with mitzvah. So this knowledge, understanding the spiritual network, understanding the connection between the physical realm and the spiritual realm and how in general do mitzvah, an act that's performed on the physical realm, has it have any effect on the spiritual realm? And then specifically, what specifically is the effect of tefillin and what does mezuzah activate 
and what does matzah activate, and what does Hanukkah menorah activate, what do the Shabbos candles activate, all these details, this is what's discussed in the esoteric part of Torah. Exploring and understanding the spiritual realm, the internal dimension of mitzvah. This is the basic difference between the external dimension and the internal dimension. To sum it all up, the external dimension discusses how mitzvahs are a formula to enhance our lives in the physical realm. The internal dimension, the nisham of the mitzvah, is how the mitzvah accomplishes and activates spirituality on the spiritual realm. Just as it has been explained in reference to mitzvahs, the same thing can be explained in reference to Torah. That there are two dimensions to Torah, the internal dimension and the external dimension. The external dimension of Torah is the fact that Torah is our book of wisdom. And this is a very unique wisdom. There are many wisdoms in the world. There's science, math, medicine, philosophy, psychology. But Torah is the deepest wisdom, the most beautiful and refined wisdom. And Torah is the most truthful wisdom that contains all other wisdoms and all other truths. <clears throat> There's a story with the previous Rebbe of Lubavitch that he was once traveling on the train. And there were a group of people having a heated discussion about the different isms, which one is best. This one said, communism is the best. This one said, this ism is the best. That one is the best. When they noticed that the Rebbe was sitting there, they went and asked him, what is the opinion of Judaism about all these different isms? As a rabbi, which does he see is the best? What does Judaism say? And the Rebbe's answer to them was, <coughs> every one of these isms has a certain advantage and disadvantage. And that's why there are so many thousands of people that support this particular ism because it has so many advantages. And they disregard the disadvantages because they feel more for the advantages. However, there are other people who are against this particular ism and they're into a different ism. Why? That also has advantages and disadvantages. But they're more interested in the advantages of that ism and disregard those disadvantages. So that's why there are different philosophies and different ideologies, even though they have disadvantages, but the people support it very strongly because the advantages they consider are greater and are cancel out the disadvantages. What is Torah? What is the difference between these ideologies and philosophies and Torah? All these ideologies and philosophies were made by men. Men, who are maybe brilliant people, sat down and thought up these ideas. Man is not perfect, and therefore his product is not perfect. So as good as all these philosophies are, there has to be certain flaws, certain disadvantages in them. Torah is God's wisdom. God is perfect, and therefore his wisdom is perfect. So what is Torah? It's actually the advantages of all these different philosophies combined in one without the disadvantages. That's what Torah is. So any advantage and any quality and any uh, mila that you might find in any of these ideologies and philosophies is found in Torah. So Torah is the most perfect 
wisdom and truth that contains in it all other wisdoms and all other truths. As our rabbis say, There's nothing in the world, and there's no concept and no wisdom in the world that cannot be derived from the Torah. All this is the external quality of Torah. What is the internal quality of Torah? That is, the deeper dimension of Torah is the fact that Torah is God's wisdom. It's a godly wisdom. And the concepts and ideas that are in Torah are godly and spiritual. The stories and the concepts in the Torah, the way we see it, is only like a body that contains in it a soul. In other words, the concepts of Torah are godly, they're so spiritual and so abstract, they belong to a completely different realm of existence. Such a realm of existence which is completely beyond us. And in order for this, these concepts of Torah, this godly wisdom, to be accessible to us, God processed this wisdom through a human level of logic, through human language and human terms, and this is the Torah the way we see it and the way we know it. And this is why the Torah is called the parable. As it says, Moshul HaKadmani, that the Torah is God's parable. Why is the Torah compared to a parable? Because the significance of a parable, the purpose of a parable is that if there's a, an individual who is a genius, like Shleim HaMelech, King Solomon, brilliant person when he understands a concept he understands it on a, such a deep level that the concept is so abstract that it's beyond the reach of the ordinary mind the ordinary mind cannot comprehend the concept so Shlomo HaMelech in order to make these concepts accessible to the ordinary mind took the concept and presents it in a form of a parable and the parable is something which is tangible to the mind in this parable though there is contained this brilliant concept which is abstract and completely on a different level and this is why the Torah is considered a parable because the Torah the way we see it and the way we know it is only a parable to the real depth in Torah which is a godly and a spiritual wisdom a wisdom which belongs to a completely different realm, a spiritual realm and this is what the Shalot says, that people make a mistake. They think that People think the Torah talks in terms and in a way that the issues discussed in Torah are issues pertaining to the physical realm, but the ideas can also be applied to the spiritual realm. He says it's a mistake. The truth is just the opposite. That the real issues of Torah and the real concepts of Torah are actually on the spiritual realm and they're spiritual concepts. It's a godly wisdom. But the concepts of Torah are presented in such a way that they're also applicable to the physical realm. What is the advantage of knowledge? Understanding that the Torah is only a parable and the Torah, the way we see it, in this language and in these terms, is only an outline of the real godly spiritual wisdom that lies in Torah. The advantage here, too, is twofold, on an academic level and on an emotional level. On an academic level, it's realizing and recognizing the distance 
between the real depth in Torah and the way we understand it. Many times we come across different areas in Torah that are not understood. There are questions. And there's a possibility when someone looks at these areas in Torah and sees there's absolutely no way it can be explained logically. And there are very difficult questions that cannot be explained and cannot be answered. There's a possibility where thought might come to the person's mind, at least to some degree, that would interfere with his total acceptance of the truth of Torah because of these questions. However, that's only possible when one is only aware of the external dimension of Torah. So if he realizes that the Torah is very deep and there are many layers of intellectual depth within Torah, but nevertheless the Torah and the wisdom of Torah is in the same realm as he is in. And if he can't understand it, and if it doesn't make sense to him, it can be grasped in his logic, it interferes with the total acceptance. But if one realizes and recognizes that the true depth of Torah is actually a godly and a spiritual wisdom, he realizes that it's not just the Torah is, is very deep, but it exists in a different, completely different realm. And realizing how distant the Torah is, and the Torah the way we see it is only like an outline of the real deep spiritual concepts in Torah, then it's completely understood why he can't understand everything in the Torah. It's like a person picking up a piece of a puzzle, looks at it, and cannot understand and make out what is the purpose of this shape. It doesn't mean anything, doesn't say anything. There are questions. But when you take this piece and you put it together with the entire puzzle, it fits into the whole picture, and then you see exactly what it is. When a person realizes that the knowledge of Torah where we have it in physical human logic and human terms is only an outline and only a body that contains in it the Torah on a higher level, and he sees that this is only one part to an enormous picture, then he realizes that of course I can't expect to understand everything because I only have one part of this enormous picture. It also affects us on an emotional level in terms of our appreciation of Torah and how Torah affects us. And that is because when a person studies Torah, there's a possibility that the more knowledge you gain, the more arrogant you become. And there's also a possibility, and this is the way it was with the greatest scholars of Torah, that not only they didn't become arrogant by studying Torah, but the more they studied, and the greater the scholar, the more humble he was. What is the difference? The difference is their perspective of what Torah is. When one studies Torah, and is only aware of the external dimension of Torah, then there's a possibility that the study of Torah should not re refine the person, but on the contrary, make him even more arrogant. Because the nature of a person is that the more he gains, the more wealth he acquires, the more arrogant he feels. This is the way it works with financial wealth, and this is the way it could possibly be with intellectual wealth. However, when one recognizes that Torah is not just a wisdom, but it's a godly wisdom, and godliness is contained in the Torah, and he's tuned into the godliness that's in Torah, that's his focus, then the more he studies, the more he feels closer to God. 
And the more one is closer to God, this makes a person more refined and more humble. And this is the difference between the revealed part of the Torah and the concealed part of the Torah, between Nigla and Chassidus. In Nigla, one sees the revealed and external dimension of Torah. The more he studies, the more he discovers the depth and the beauty and the magnitude of the Torah's wisdom and the truth that lies in Torah. When one studies Chassidus, the esoteric part of Torah, he's able to see the internal dimension of Torah. He sees more of the godliness which is in Torah. How the Torah contains in it godly and spiritual wisdom. And this godly wisdom is the true dimension and the true depth of every detail in Torah. That every detail in Torah, whether it's a story or a halacha, the way we see it, is only a manifestation of a much deeper and godly wisdom.